0: Welcome to Graduating Grief, a podcast designed to help you step back into living your life with joy after loss. If you're ready to move from surviving to thriving, you've come to the right place. Here's your host and inspirationista, Sherry Dunleavy. I'm so delighted to talk with Nina
1: and Paula today. She has a wonderful radio show on the Voice of America, but she is also the author of a book that just absolutely was delivered at a time that it was almost like an angel, Amazon delivered an angel to me and my family. It's called Dearly Departed, what I learned about living from the dying. And this is a copy of Nina's book. Nina, thank you very much for joining me
0: today. Super happy to be here. Thank you.
1: So, you have done extensive work with the dying as a hospice volunteer and working in hospice. And so, I love the title of your book, What I've Learned About Living from the Dying. Yeah. And that is so important because so many times after loss, that's the hardest part for us
0: to live. It's true
1: so going yes so tell me this this book it starts with the story of your beautiful mother yes and and it ends with the story of your beautiful mother
0: yep it was it was something that it she kind of co-mingled with the book because somebody told me long ago as long as i've done hospice and i just and she was a woman at the time i was probably about 15 years younger than I am now. Excuse me. And what happened was she looked me square in the eye and she said to me, nothing will prepare you to lose your parents. And I thought, wow, what does she mean by that? And as we know, when we're grieving, we always resonate with other people that have lost a a mom or a dad. You know, those are the people that can understand it. So I took all of my knowledge that I had in all these years of taking care of people and volunteering for people and put my mom in the book, because that was like the biggest and the hardest lesson for me was helping her die and being there for her. Because basically you're not helping somebody get better. There's a big difference when somebody's just sick and when somebody's dying, I had to help her die. And that's so painful. It's, it's something
1: honestly, so unimaginable. And I think that's why we have such a problem with it because it's so painful just to even think about it, to make to allow your brain to go there yeah. that we don't. And secondly, we don't ever talk about it. Right. And so when it does hit us, it, it, it hits us like a Mack truck has hit us, right? And it takes us down and out. But what's so surprising about this and your story is that you have talked about it. You have made it your life's work. And if it was still difficult for you, oh my gosh. <laughs> right. I, I just can't even imagine.
0: Well, most people, I, I would say, that live a basically a normal life. Well, with COVID right now, it's a little bit different, but most people, you know, when you're younger, you bury a grandmother or a grandfather and then as you get older and your parents age you may lose somebody else but basically most pe- people grieve and go through a hard death of maybe 3 to 4 people in their lifetime that's mm-hmm. kind of like i would say that's kind of normal i mean i've got friends that haven't lost anybody and so when it does come it's one of those things where you're you're lost Well, that wasn't supposed to happen because our brains aren't thinking about it like they're going to live they're not going to die as much as i work as i've done in hospice never did i think of my mother as leaving me one day i just didn't think of it and i've done hospice a really long time but the thought it's like i always say to people you know our brain doesn't really know how to compute death we just don't i mean death comes into our brain and we resist it and we push it away people don't leave forever they stay and it's and hard it, it it is hard so
1: i love what you wrote i what i learned about living from dying so your 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 experiences in hospice your interaction with these people who were dying yes. what i found amazing was that even though they were dying they were still many of them still so full of life
0: yeah you know, if I can use the word "fun," uh, and people think I'm weird because I get excited when I talk about it, but it—it's you're on holy ground, pretty much. So you're getting a lot of help. I mean, if you're standing at the bedside of a person that's dying, who else is there? Their guardian angels, their loved ones that have passed before them—they're there. I know that without a doubt, Sherry, because of the work that I've done and what I've witnessed. So sometimes, I mean, I would leave a patient's house and I'd actually feel quite joyful in my heart because I was helping somebody get to the next level, to the other side.
1: That is, that's an honor and a privilege to be able to do
0: that. It is. And there's many blessings in it, even though you're not looking for them. You know, it's not like I'm doing it to get it. It just, my life has become so rich because of all the people that I've helped pass away. I think they're all up there helping me all the time now. Have you always thought that way? Have you always felt that way? You know, I used to, let me just put it this way. I used to train volunteers Mm -hmm. and it was earlier in my career. And I always said to them, you know, if you feel kind of good when you leave the bedside of a dying person, that's, that's the angels, that's God. And I recognized that in myself when I would leave somebody's house and go, gosh, why am I happy? why do I feel so good when other people are like, I don't know how you do it, Nina. They shake their head. I could never do that, Nina. Well, I guess it's my gift that God's given me.
1: And so you recognize the divine in it.
0: Exactly, Sherry. That's exactly right.
1: Okay. So one of the things that I loved that I picked up immediately because it, it was reminiscent of why I wrote my book. Um, It's on page 66 and you're talking about um, one of your one of your clients, and it was about the sun. And this, they walked in, and treats the caregivers coldly, makes no eye contact, barely speaks. Um, I had to quiet my mind and observe to see that God was present there. How could it be present in an in an environment that seems kind of toxic, kind of cold, not? loving and warming and embracing and endearing. And um, what I realized, uh, what you said is that the question kept coming up, what would love do?
0: Exactly.
1: What would love do? And then do that.
0: Yes. So when I walk into the room and I've had some patients before where, I mean, I've had people that are just There's a lot going on in the family. Sometimes there's drug addiction. Sometimes there's multiple families living in some of these places that I've gone into before. And I always have to kind of stand back and really take a look at what's happening. So there's lessons there for everybody, including me. Mm -hmm. So when I walk into the room, it's almost like I want to say I'm walking into a classroom. Okay. And you know, my feelers go out. What's happening over here? Are there children here? Are there parents here? How sick is the patient? Are they well cared for? What's the color of their skin? Meaning where are they in their dying process? You know, are they, are they alert and oriented or are they starting to actively die? And how's the family handling it? So I kind of internally look at everything that's happening in the room. And really there's a thing that I used to do. I called it heart sight. And it was seen the, through the eyes of the heart when I walk into the room of a patient. Not what my physical eyes are seeing. What is my heart seeing? What is my heart feeling? And then I move from that place. And that's how you walk in because there can't be any judgment. These people are all learning about death and they're all preparing for this person to leave Mm -hmm. negatively or positively. You walk in the room with an open heart and it, it does something and it helps even though there may be no words coming out of my mouth
1: but what i loved about that was that that's a lesson that was is valuable to someone in hospice but it's just as valuable to someone who wants to support someone who's just dealt with the the, the loss of someone they love
0: right and it's like what can you do in that moment and what people need to understand is that the heart has an ability to do things that we Really can't even put words to Sherry. A lot of times, you know, I'll I could be tired, I could be like having maybe a hard day, and and my heart's still open when I walk into that room, and it helps me. Mm-hmm. It will it will lift me up because I'm walking in there with an open heart, letting God or whatever you believe in lead the way and say you know one of the things that i always say is let them see you before me so oh. let love enter the room let god enter the room and let the people feel that before they see me
1: it reminds me of i was speaking with a an episcopal priest and she was i was talking to her about holding sacred space
0: exactly Same and thing.
1: yeah and mm-hmm. and and it's just oh, holding the moment, not trying to fill in the gaps, but let God and the Holy Spirit fill in those gaps. Mm -hmm. You know, let the
0: love, uh, uh, you know, do its thing. (laughs) And it's a practice. It's almost kind of a meditation, if you want to even call it that. And what I would suggest is when you're walking into a situation like that, whether you're working in hospice like me, or you've got a family member, you found out they're dying, you're going to go do a visit, sit in the car for a minute ground yourself and ask God to enter the room before you or with you or however you want to put it. And I guarantee you 100%, you'll feel it. You have to prepare for it. And I think that's an important thing. You know, one of the things about my my show, Inspiring End of Life Conversations, it it's truly about the whole big picture about death. Mm-hmm how to walk into the room of a dying person. How do we walk into death? What does that look like? So it's about, if you're going to have a baby, you've got nine months to prepare for that child. You're going to read about it. You're going to, you're going to ask people questions about it. You're going to go to a doctor. You're going to learn all these things for the arrival of that baby to come. And that baby is going to just come into this world and be there. And it's going to go into the mother's arms. Right? Mm -hmm. Well, that's kind of the same thing. I mean, I know my mom is going to be right there for me when I die. So I'll be just birthing out to the other side and there she will be, you know, so it's, there's, there's just something that needs to take place when we get around the dying to go uh, be on this beautiful level because you're, you're in between dimensions when you're helping people. Does that make sense? It does. And, out there. And, okay. No,
1: it's not. And 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 this is where I think your Amazon delivered an angel to my family because when this book arrived, um, my aunt it was just it was just so fast. It was one minute she was in the hospital, and the next minute she was in hospice, mm-hmm. and um, and really pretty much unresponsive, barely unresponsive. So there weren't a lot of last conversations or anything. And there was a lot, there were days and days and days of lingering. And, um and your book helped me that, that analogy that you just said, that the preparation, the body's preparation to be birthed into a new dimension, into a new world. And so this was, this was her soul's preparation time. And because I remember having a conversation with my mother because she was so distraught over the lingering, you know, and what more could she be doing and what, and, and feeling the feelings of helplessness. And, um, and I told that story of what I just read in your book. And I saw a little light bulb go off and I didn't think it was received until literally, Uh, an hour and a half after I had that conversation, we got confirmation that she had passed. And then my mom passed that story on to her daughters. So your words were very, 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 um, they they helped educate us and they helped heal us and they helped us to understand. And that is a beautiful gift. And your book touched all of us at a time when we needed it the most. And I wanted you to know that.
0: Sherry, that makes me feel so good. I'm getting chills to hear yeah. scaring it, you know, and it's it it it's so true because it is about preparation. Lingering, if we could touch on that for a minute. Yes. Lingering is so difficult for people. I mean, I have walked into many, many a home and they're like, Why are they still alive? And I just my kind of stock answer for that is when the soul is complete they can go, but our soul has a purpose. And like you said, holding space, sacred space for that person is so powerful and so profound when you, because think of other people that are in there that don't have the knowledge that maybe you and I do. What walks into the room? Fear. Fear walks into the room and fear. Everybody can feel that. Mm Mm-hmm. But what you're talking about right now, so just this conversation that we're having, right? And then you're talking to your mom about the book. It adds light. There's so much that we can't see that takes place when a person's dying. So here you are talking about the book, trying to lighten up the situation, open up your hearts and be present. Don't worry about the lingering. That's God's job. I know it's difficult to watch, and I know that there's suffering involved because as a human being that's still alive, it's very difficult for us to not be able to fix it. But your job's done. This is God's Mm -hmm. part now, or the angels, or whatever you believe in, Right. right? So when we let go of the fixing and the fear involved with when they die, that's when we really create that sacred space and an opening for them. I I had a patient one time I can tell you about. I walked into the room and the family was really, really sad. The room was dark, just dark. Mm -hmm. And this lady was covered up with a sheet, but the sheet was kind of above the bed because it couldn't touch her skin. Mm -hmm. And I walked into the room. I calmed the family down. They were very, very sad, really having a hard time. And the lady with her eyes closed looks at me and she says, you're an angel you're so beautiful and your light is so bright and i remember going wow she's not seeing me she's seeing something else Mm -hmm. but i brought into the room something that made her feel comfortable and safe the dying aren't feeling everything we are sherry they're not Mm -hmm. they're preparing to go Mm -hmm. and i believe that they see and hear things that we don't
1: Yes, I, I, I believe that too. and you know I mean, you talk about lingering that was that was my son's whole life was lingering. He only lived 29 days and so mm-hmm. um, but the difference between uh, my son's life and, and the lingering in hospice is that we still had hope. Yes. right We still had hope that he was going to live yeah and um, and there got to be a point where I just had a talk with God and said, make up your mind. Good for <laughs> you. You know, is he going or is he staying? Because yeah. I can't take this anymore. No. You know, uh-uh. and then I thought, and that just what you said is that, you know, And I don't know how things work. I do believe that our soul has an agreement with God. And I do believe that my son's agreement was to be come here for 29 days, you know I mean? Like that was his, you know, and he got his job done and he was called back. And so I I feel like I'm the mom of an accelerated student, you know, and- um, That's a beautiful way to say it. And so um, at the same time though, then I thought, I looked back at my life at age 38, And I thought, okay, he accomplished his mission in 29 days. What are you, what have you been doing in your 38 years? Mm. You know, and that was truly a turning point in my life of how I redirected. You know, I always thought about my career path. I always thought about, oh, I'm married or have children. I thought about that, but I really didn't think about the kind of impact or the kind of what do I want to say? Well, the kind of impact that I wanted to make or the, 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 the to live on purpose, to live with passion, yeah. to, to, to truly live your life because you've been given this gift
0: to treat it as that a gift. And that's what death does, you know, and it really does bring up everything unlike itself. If you think about it, you know, when people die, new stuff shows up mm-hmm. and, how did this come in with this death? You right. Know, but it does something inside of us. My my life really changed a lot when my mother died. You know, I I was still doing hospice, but I moved down to the beach. I wanted to live at the beach. I wanted to be near nature. And I wanted to be able to be just, I was just in such a different place. and And so I just kind of paid attention to everything that was changing inside of me mm-hmm. because of her death, very much like, your child that was here for 29 days i mean there's no mistakes no his purpose was his purpose right and he's still with you all the time so that's part of the the
1: graduating grief movement is to help people step back into their life because so many times and i'm sure that you've you've experienced this too People put their lives on hold because someone they love died. They feel guilty of moving forward. They feel, um, why should I be enjoying my life when my son is, you Big. know, buried? And, and that's not
0: the way it works. But why does our human brain do that? There lies the question. Right. It shouldn't be like that. It's just a transition from this life to the next. And okay. What did this show me about my life? What did this wake me up to? What's next? Mm-hmm. Instead of being in this place, and I love what you talk about with graduating grief because it, it it truly is. I think actually on my show yesterday, Father Nathan talked about this about graduating to the next level, mm-hmm. even in the afterlife. You know, and sometimes, you know, I just think about the afterlife really. I mean, of course, there's love and all these beautiful things here, but I really don't think it's sometimes it's that different from what we go through on earth. You know, Mm -hmm. there's something there where we're always learning. And even in the afterlife, we learn, we graduate from our death on earth. To whatever it is we're going to be doing in heaven to help others. That's what I've learned through all the near death experience people, from all the people I've helped pass away, from Father Nathan, who's on my show every third Wednesday of the month, that there's these there's just graduation, just like mm-hmm. what you're talking about, mm-hmm. where we, we keep graduating to these different levels just like we do on earth. We do the same thing in the afterlife. Mm-hmm. You know, think about what did Mother Teresa graduate to? You know? Right. An amazing life here. She helped a lot of people. without all the suffering sherry without all the suffering
1: without all the suffering and that's a that's a beautiful beautiful thing but but that's why i'm saying each one of us if my son's life in 29 days and no one got to meet him and his life mattered and his life is still making an impact how much more powerful is it that ours is and and like i was telling my mother the other day the the I can't imagine that when you get to the other side and you do come face to face with God and he says, Sherry, why I gave you 65 more years. Why did you use that 65 years, crawled up in a fetal position, mourning over your son when I gave you life and you didn't live it?
0: Yeah, that's a very, very important message, Sherry, for anyone Anyone is very important. They want us to be joyful. It's just a transition from this life to the next. We really don't die. Our bodies do, but our souls live forever. I think that uh, I
1: don't, and and that's the funny thing because I am a spiritual person. Um, I always have been very deeply uh, spiritually connected and grounded and I can't imagine, I don't, I honestly, I, I, I don't know how I can help people that are not because it is such a part of who I am and why I continue and why I do the work that I do. I don't know how to reach out and reach those people that don't have that that don't have that belief, that think that it's just the end, we're done. How do you deal with that, especially in hospice? I'm sure you have families that feel that way. And mm-hmm. contrary to what you believe and what you experience and what you know, mm-hmm. it's not your job to really you know, convert anyone by any
0: sense of the imagination. But how do you help those people? So it's interesting. So... You know, you got to kind of think about the wisdom of God Mm -hmm. and how wise it is. So that wisdom, because yes, I have been around that. I've had people that don't believe in God and I think, oh boy, you're going to have a big surprise when you die. (laughs) (laughs) But go ahead. You can believe what you want. And it's that same thing, Sherry, where you're holding space.
1: Mm -hmm. I mean,
0: I have worked with people that have gotten so angry at the doctor's. I can tell you a quick story. Do we have time? Yes. Okay. okay. So one time I was um, doing bereavement and counseling for a woman and her, her grandfather fell and bumped his head. He was 95 years old. So I called her on the phone to do the bereavement call. And I, you know, just said, how are you doing today? And she says, I'm just so mad. I'm so angry. And I go, tell me more about that she goes well he fell and then i brought him to the hospital and they killed him and he would have lived longer and i said okay i said are you are you done and she's like yeah and i said can i help you with this she said yeah and i said when a 93 year old man falls it's never good and it was actually a very merciful way for him to pass on that's all. And she just said, thank you. Because what happens is, so when you do this work, you're always going to run into people that have fear. You're always mm-hmm. going to have people that are mad at God. You're always going to have people that are just like, I don't believe in God. Mm-hmm. Look at Eben Alexander. Yes. Man, that's a perfect example. -hmm. You know, so then again, you just hold the space and you go, okay. You say, you know what, God, can you help these people? They really haven't figured you out yet. You let it go. You have no part in it. But opening up your heart is gonna change things. I guarantee it. I love that. So it's just really holding the sacred space. That's it. That's all you're doing, (laughs) which is really a prayer. You know, it's just a prayer. It's like, oh, I'm you know, it's 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 that saying that I always say, forgive them, Lord. They don't know. They don't know and they're just like little babies, and you and I are in college universities, and they're in the first grade, so how can you explain something that you are in college to a first grader? How would you do that? You can't. They haven't right. learned it yet, and that's the best way to look at it. It's it's school. So, Nina, what
1: advice do you have for people who are ready to start graduating from their grief start stepping back into living a life living a life not existing but truly living what have you learned from what you what your experiences with the dying have been that you can share with those who are left behind
0: so what i tell people is this we just had a pretty significant loss in um, my extended family and they're really going through a lot right now. But what I want to say is you got to go through that part. You got to grieve. You got to get it past the skin. If you don't, that's where you're going to really run into trouble. It, it, it's, it's, it's like feelings that have nowhere to go that are stuck inside of you, as you know, is going to create physical problems, mental problems, spiritual problems. Acknowledge the fact I just had a death in my family. I'm so sad about the death that's in my family. I'm, I feel depressed. I feel sad. I'm getting it out. I'm getting it past the skin. Doing those kind of exercises, whether you write or you talk to somebody or you have a counselor in the beginning stages, very, very important. Yes. You need to talk about it. And, and men grieving, that's a whole nother show, but they usually need activity. They're not like you and me. We could sit and have a cup of tea and go "Sherry, I'm so sad. I really want to tell you what happened with my mom or whatever. Mm-hmm. Men don't do that. But I will tell you this to get moving, however that looks, whether it's your fingers moving, cooking in the kitchen, whether it's writing, whether it's walking and being of service to other people is the greatest healer. I volunteer because it helps me. I will always volunteer for the rest of my life. I will volunteer for hospice even when I retire because it's something that I know that I'm being of service and that's what we're here for. Mm -hmm. So you get out of that darkness of fear about death and even actually a lot of times I recommend to people to if they want to volunteer for a hospice after a loved one's died. If they want because it's so rewarding. Does that answer your question? Yes it does. Yes okay. it does. And I
1: think that's a, a great place for us to end. Nina, thank you for taking time and uh, spending it with us today. Your story is fascinating. Your work is fascinating. And, um, and your book, like I said, has, has been so helpful to my family, and I'm sure will be helpful to many, many others. Dearly Departed, What I've Learned About Living from the Dying. Nina and Paula, thank you very much.
0: You're welcome. Thank you, Sherry, for having me on. Thank you for listening to the Graduating Grief podcast. For more information on the Graduating Grief community, workshops, and retreats, go to www.SherryDunlevy.com. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, rate, review, and share.